Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to Mum Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Claire Murphy, filling in for Holly Wainwright. Holly has lost her voice. She's got a bit of lurgy, but it's not COVID. Claire Murphy is, of course, our host of The Quickie. If you do not listen to our daily news podcast, you need to be. There was a brilliant episode this morning about the Facebook ban. If you're looking for where to get your news, because it's not in Facebook anymore, (laughs) listen to Claire and The Quickie. That's what I do every morning while I'm getting ready, either on the treadmill or while I'm in the shower or putting my makeup on. Claire tells me it's headlines at the beginning and then it's a deep dive. And so I'm with you when you're naked news. at some yes. points of the All the time. So when I see you, I feel quite vulnerable. <laughs> She's seen my breastuses. <laughs> <sighs> on the show today, we are looking more closely at the toxic culture of Australian politics and why so many women, including Claire Murphy, can relate. And our best and worst of the week. But first... Social media giant Facebook has announced it will restrict publishers and Australian users from either sharing or viewing news content from here and right around the world. We have to talk about Facebook. We just have to. It's been an interesting week working at a digital publication in Australia and an interesting week as a user of social media. On Thursday morning, in case you've missed this, Australians woke up to a very different Facebook news feed, mostly because there was absolutely no news on it. Facebook blocked all news pages from posting links to their content, and this included our publication, Mamma Mia, and 1-800-RESPECT, the Bureau, I can never say this, the Bureau of Meteorology. Yeah, correct. Bomb. 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 I'm going to call them bomb. To Queensland Health. Over the last 24 hours, some of these restrictions have been wound back, but generally anything that qualifies as news is gone. Claire Murphy, I need some things explained. Often you're just cornered in the office when we need a bit of an (laughs) overview. Why did this happen on Thursday morning and was it a surprise to media publications? Well, first up, uh, not a surprise, but we'll get into that in a second. But the reason it happened Thursday morning was because Wednesday night, the Australian government's media bargaining legislation passed the lower house. Now, that legislation has been in the planning process for quite some time. And the idea is that it is to make sure that people like Google and Facebook, who currently post this content for free on their platforms, pay for that because the news services that create it pay journalists to make it. So the idea is that they should not be sharing it for free. Now, Facebook and Google say they don't make any money from posting that, which is essentially very true. But what they do make is a whole bunch of ad revenue around those particular posts. Now, we're talking more than 80% of the entire online ad revenue in this country goes to either Facebook or Google, Mm. which is a lot. Now, there'd been threats going on for a long time. As soon as this legislation started to get talked about, both Google and Facebook threatened to pull out of the country. So Google was saying, we just can't even have you Google things anymore. And Facebook was saying, well, we'll just take away 
this ability for you to look at news. And so this was a lot of threats. Google started to change. They started to do deals with media companies. So they had just signed up with News Corp, but they'd already done deals with Seven and Nine. They were in discussions with the ABC. They were going to pay what we understand is a lot of money to those companies to share their content. But Facebook decided to go the other route and follow through with their threat. So they banned all news from their platform from Thursday morning and they blamed the Australian government's legislation for being too broad a definition of what constitutes as news and that's why a whole bunch of other things got wiped out at the same time, like as you mentioned before. But I don't think that was an accident. I think that was about saying, hey, the definition of news is too broad so maybe it's going to include... 1-800-RESPECT and scientific journals the and William charities. Or the William Tyrrell page. So the other question that people are asking, Claire, is why this matters because this is being reported on all over the world and it's being said to have worldwide implications. Why is the world watching Australia right now? Well, because Facebook and Google are so powerful and the question is should they be? And it goes to show just how powerful they are. The entire country has been thrown into chaos when Facebook just says, we're not going to post news anymore. That's how reliant we are now on Facebook as a platform for us to share our information. And we as a company here at Mamma Mia also, you know, we rely on platforms like Facebook to make sure people can access what it is we do every day. And so they are very powerful individuals, but they shouldn't have say over how governments run their own country. And the fact is that our government really doesn't make a lot of tax revenue off of either of those companies. So for them, it's not financially beneficial to have those companies working in this country, but yet they're quite influential. And could this set a precedent overseas? Because Australia, in terms of the Facebook and the Googles, I mean, that's obviously overseas, so we're not making heaps of money. It's worldwide. Australia is very small. Maybe they don't care whether we really use them, but is the idea that it could set a precedent for bigger countries to go, oh, yeah, hang on, good point, Australia? Yeah, we're a drop in the bucket for both of those companies. The Australian market's not big. There's only 20-odd million of us. We're not huge. But when you look at countries that have hundreds of millions and billions of people potentially in them who all use Facebook, if those people started to not use Facebook anymore, that would hurt them. So those countries are looking at us as a test case. Yeah, but if the media companies in those countries or the government decided to do similar legislation to Australia, then that would, yeah, that would potentially have a much bigger effect on the billions and billions. If they had to pay all those companies, yes. And Mia, you're a media owner who is being directly affected as a business we're going to be directly affected by this what's your perspective I think a lot of people were asking me yesterday what does your workplace what does it look like inside a digital media company yeah well yesterday morning it's interesting I think Claire's right it wasn't a surprise but it was a shock so no one knew it was coming literally we all woke up I saw it on the news, we jumped into meetings and we spent the day really trying to understand what it all meant. There mm-hmm. were a lot of phone calls, a lot of, to be honest, I was kind of in shock yesterday. Like I was having a lot of trouble regulating my temperature. I couldn't think clearly. Like I was really quite panicked, but our teams weren't. And <laughs> <laughs> luckily I'm not in charge of those teams. You kept saying, guys, relax, calm down. And we're like, Mia, I'm like, you, it's really important for everyone to be calm. And someone said, why have you come to work with wet hair? <laughs> 
your hair was wet, you had shoes on opposite feet. I'm like, I didn't realize no. that, but that's true. It's true. I was like, okay, so you ran from your house wet. Yes. So I, I came don't straight from feel the shower. Calm. The shower that I had with Claire Murphy, I've come straight from that. <laughs> but as the day went on, what was interesting to us was that, from a very personal point of view, our traffic was a little bit down, but we recognised, like a number of publishers did quite a few years ago, that it was very dangerous to have so many eggs in one basket and be beholden to one individual, being Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. So we have been diversifying for a long time. People have been coming to our homepage. We've been doing newsletters. We've got our podcast. We've got lots of other ways. But other than a media company owner, I'm also a social media user. And one of the biggest problems I think in the proliferation of fake news over the last few days is the fact that people get their news from Facebook Mm. because something from Mamma Mia or the ABC or the New York Times that is written by journalists, fact-checked, looks the same in your feed as a post by Craig Kelly or Pete Evans Mm. when they're allowed on Facebook and (laughs) the anti-vax society and, and your auntie that's shared something that her auntie saw on YouTube. So... The fact that everything looks the same has really meant that people have devolved or devalued what they understand as real news. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I found incredibly dissatisfying as a user was just I don't want an algorithm choosing what news I read. And what most people don't understand is that the Facebook algorithm chooses Mamma Mia or the ABC might post 10 stories in a morning and Facebook decides if you see any of those stories and what's of those stories you see. And the algorithm, which they never publicly disclose, they're a you know publicly listed company, but that's their business, chooses the stories that are most likely to keep you on their platform. Mm. So the algorithm is programmed to choose stories that will make you angry, make you enraged, make you comment, make you share. So stories that are just calm and sensible are less likely to appear in your feed. And I also just, I've started going back to homepages to get my news. I started this quite a few years ago. I have to use Facebook for business, but I don't use it as a as a news source as an, and as, as an information source, I don't trust it. I think the problem is that so many Australians still do. Fifty percent of Gen Zs yeah. get their news from Facebook, and I think with boomers, I think it would be more than that. They get yeah. a lot of their news. And from the Facebook. problem I see now is that you go onto Facebook, and maybe your auntie's voice or your cousin's voice or the person that you semi know from high school, their voice is louder, and there is no actual news between that I was scrolling through my feed and it's just opinions and ads and now satire because satire is allowed on there because you can't link to a credible news news source source about COVID vaccines for example Mm. when your auntie is posting some rubbish about microchips and that's worrying do you think this is a turning point though for that yes like are people now starting to go I know the conversations I've had with people this morning have been very much like well you know what I could probably stop looking at Facebook. I could probably Mm. do with less Facebook in my life. Is this now a point where we start shifting back to actually sourcing it ourselves? I reckon that Australians have always been sceptical of the real big guys. We're a little guy country. And what we learnt in the last 24 hours was just how powerful Facebook is. Mm. That's dangerous. That's a lesson. And I think it's going to backfire a little bit because we're going to go, whoa, we should have never given a platform this much power. We have to find other ways to source our news. It's all still there. But, yeah, I I just think that it's 
a scary moment for Facebook. It's also become quite a badge of honour to be zucked is what it's been called yeah. if you got wiped off Facebook yesterday. Oh, is that what happened to me? <laughs> yeah, so you got zucked <laughs> yesterday, Mia Friedman. So oh, really congratulations. Did. It's a badge of honour. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Come on, tell us. Tell us where you're listening. Hi, girls. This is Emily from a farm near Trengi. I listen to you all the time and I've just started working from home out of my studio. I make pearl jewellery and even though I have girls who come and work with me, it's been lovely to sit down, make some earrings and listen to you. You're wonderful company. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Just a heads up, in this segment we will be talking about issues surrounding sexual assault. If this raises issues for you, please call 1-800-RESPECT. Everyone is still talking about Brittany Higgins, who is the young former Liberal Party staffer who claims she was raped at Parliament House. And I was watching some news reports last night and ABC News Breakfast this morning, and there's a lot of people asking a lot of questions about who knew what when. So it's sort of there's the the issue of sexual assault in Parliament, which is and and in workplaces, which is kind of one track of this story, and the other track are uh, around questions about who knew what when. With Scott Morrison claiming that he only found out about Brittany Higgins' stories recently as Monday, and that his staff had only learnt of it Friday last week, while Brittany claims the Prime Minister's office knew about the incident in 2019, and there have been some text messages that have come to light over the last day or so. Now, maybe it's just me, but I feel like we've lost a bit of sight of Brittany and it's now become a bit of a political, who knew what when, I'm going to try to get you, no, I'm going to try to get you. I'm going to defend that conversation because I reckon it matters. I think it really matters who knew what when. If there was a cover-up, if there was a lack of process, that's something we all need to know. And Higgins has come out and told her story and it is horrific, but we Mm. know through the voices of Higgins, through the voices of Grace Tame, that often it's the process of reporting that can be as traumatic, if not more traumatic, than the incident itself. And there are Mm. a lot of men talking about it, but there are a lot of men who need to be held accountable right now. And so I don't want it to all land on her shoulders to have to yell her story from the rooftops. I think that there is an ongoing conversation. If we really want this to change, then it is on the shoulders of the Liberal Party, of toxic workplaces, mm. of, you know, politics more generally to explain who knew what and where this all went wrong. I think that's a really valid track. And all of this could have been avoided had there been a correct investigation at the time. And we know there's a lot of discussion about Brittany wanting to tell police or not tell police and that is her right to do or not to do. But in any workplace, if a crime happens, it needs to be investigated, whether the mm. victim decides to press charges or not. In a workplace, if someone was sexually assaulted in this workplace, mm. 
you wouldn't just go, oh, okay, well, the victim doesn't want to do anything, so we'll just leave it. No. Like, a crime happened. It and has to be investigated. I come from a family of teachers, and if a child reveals that something awful happened to them, sexual or, or physical violence, and they say, please don't tell anyone, which is a really understandable human response, you don't want a big deal to be made, it is under mandatory reporting you have to. But and hang on, that's because we established as a society that children don't have agency and that they are not capable of making decisions always that are in their best interests. Isn't it um, up to Brittany? Like I, I don't know the answer to this and there are people that would know far better than me, but how much is their agency? How much do you think this idea, Claire, that, oh, we asked her if she wanted to report it but she said she didn't. Do you think that's a valid... Oh, 100% response? it's valid. You can't force someone to report something to police if they don't want to. That's, that's not how it should work. But there should have been at least a workplace investigation into what happened mm. so that then the facts are gathered and you know what happened at the time. So if such at a stage, Brittany changes her mind and she wants to go ahead with a police investigation, then the facts have already been gathered and the people who are there at the time have been spoken to and records are kept and checked and you have security vision and you have Which phone didn't records. Which she know about. So that exactly. might have affected her decision to not involve police. If she'd have known that there are CCTV footage, that there's security guard testimony, she might have said, oh, well, then it's not just going to be my word against mm-hmm. his word. So... The fact that that was kept from her is a terrible thing. Claire, you've experienced not the same thing but something in the realm of of what happened to Brittany in the workplace. Yeah, look, scrolling through Twitter after all of this was kind of coming out and I noticed there was a lot of women discussing the fact that this could be very triggering for them because a lot of women and women that I know have experienced some kind of toxic workplace environment, not always of a sexual assault nature, but mine was. I had a manager... When I was 19, put his hand up my shirt and groped me and it was at after work drinks, very similar situation. And I reported it to management at the time and they their first initial reaction was, oh, this is going to make things difficult here. And they said, right, so what we're going to have to do now at great effort from us is schedule that manager to work in a different area to you or on different days from you. And it was all very difficult. And so I was like, well, good, because I don't want to be exposed to that man ever in this work environment mm. ever again. And that happened You're for... You were brave at 19 to do that. I, was, I had an incident like that in my workplace. I was a waitress and it didn't even occur to me to tell anyone about it. Yeah. I don't know why I had the presence of mind to do it yeah. then, mm. but... But you were made to feel like this was a big inconvenience yes, for the company. Yes, very inconvenient for the company. And then they would conveniently forget that they had made that promise to me and he would be rostered on on the same day as me in the same area Did and I would be apologize? forced. Never. And, in fact, he recruited the rest of management to be on his side oh. and I became the trouble then. So other managers then started to treat me like I was the trouble and I got crappy shifts and I got treated very poorly when I was at work. I had one manager yell at me that I was lazy and that I was manipulative and uh, like another manager witnessed that and then when I went to HR and said this happened, that manager denied it happened and the manager who was there said it never happened either. Oh my God. So it was a lot of collusion and they all backed oh. each other up and they were all men. Everyone in management was a man. And so, this was when you were 19. Has 19. This, how does that affect the trajectory of your career when you go to new workplaces? Well, eventually I left that job 
under stress leave, it got so bad, and they hired a private investigator to follow me. To follow you. Who I then busted, and I he gave me the card of the lawyers that they had hired to follow me, and I went and had a meeting with her, her and she heard my side of the story and said, there's no way that they're not going to win a case against you. They're not going to win a case against you in this instance. But that experience, mm. and I didn't realise until much later I dragged that baggage with me to every workplace I went to from there. And I was the crap employee because I was immediately defensive anytime anyone even spoke to me in a way that I thought could have been vaguely confrontational. If a manager said to me, can you come and speak to me in the office? The blood would drain out of my body. I would feel shivery. I would be panicking. And it might be just like, oh, we really appreciate you doing this great work. (laughs) And here's some good news. But every single time I got a bodily reaction to being called into an office, I was very defensive of anyone in authority. I didn't want to listen to people and I didn't want to take on board any suggestions because I felt like they were the enemy. And I did that for a really long time and I wasn't aware that that was the baggage I dragged with me until much, much later and including the last job that I was at before here until I finally had a female manager. And she sat me down and I said to her, she said, are you okay? And I said, I get a bit panicky when I get called into the office. And she asked me why. And I, that's as we spoke about it, I finally realised that I'd been doing this for years and years and years. And that's what they mean by triggered, right? Yes, 100%. It's and not just this snowflakey, oh, I feel a bit bad. It's like you get put back into that 19-year-old's mm-hmm. mind and body. And I consider myself a pretty strong human yes. now, but I did not realise how much that had affected me and that I'd carried it for so long. And now I'm scrolling through Twitter and reading all these other people and it's exactly the same, whether it's a racist environment or a sexist environment. It's like it can be really triggering. You can carry that for a really long time. And that's what's interesting about the use of the word choice and whether or not Higgins really had a choice to to mm. report because if you had that experience let's say i mean what about that would suggest it's a good idea to report it mm-hmm. next time so mm. then is it really a choice the next time some something happens and because you think i don't want to be that girl yeah yeah i don't want to be that person mm-hmm. exactly and there was suggestion to higgins and again this is all alleged but that you know, her job would be compromised or that she wouldn't have any future in politics if she did. So did she really sit down and weigh out the pros and cons of reporting or was that not a viable option for a young woman? And again, she didn't have all the information in front of her. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And she'd become the trouble. That's the best. It was so great. I loved it. Oh, my God, that's the worst. Sucked. I like talking about bad things. Okay, friends, it's time for our best and worst of the week. Who's going to kick it off? Mia Friedman? I'll kick it off with the most unlikely best and worst because they're both about food. Oh, good. Not food you prepared. Yeah, no. No. (laughs) Sort of. So I can't cook very well, as many listeners will know, but this week I'd like to say I made in our house – the TikTok pasta was made. Oh. The TikTok feta pasta. Who made it? My daughter Coco made it. Okay. I bought the ingredients though. So I think I'm a home hero. Mm-hmm. You've contributed. Um, I contributed a lot. So she made it and it was incredible. So it was my best because firstly it was a fun viral thing and I can say I've had the TikTok pasta. <laughs> Has there ever been a viral thing like this? I can't remember it. Anyway, and also I didn't have to actually make it. I just had to buy some cherry tomatoes and some feta, which wasn't sold out. I was told 
feta might be sold out. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a TikTok pasta. There's we'll- a website. We'll have a link in our show notes to our Mamma Mia article that has the recipe. It takes, I don't know, 10 minutes. It's got three ingredients. It couldn't be easier, says the woman who didn't make it. <laughs> and it is absolutely delicious. Now, my worst was actually about me trying to cook, which was I tried to cook pizza. During the holidays, I got quite into making pizza. We had a bit of a pizza-a-thon and then I got caught up in the moment and ordered a portable pizza oven and then it arrived and I realised I had no way of connecting it into my house so what is it just in the backyard now i had to ship it back it was ended up being quite expensive the shipping but i'm still making the pizzas quite hard to make pizzas in a normal oven but somehow something went wrong with the dough and my pizzas ended up being very i'm gonna have to say uncooked and doughy but the topping was good and that must be so disappointing because you wait so long for a pizza to cook and then to come out and be crappy is like correct and i spent a lot of money on the ingredients i think i probably should have just ordered one (laughs) yeah that's really disappointing jesse stevens my best and worst are one in the same experience this week so the best is that with the book stuff coming up end of march there's your book out march 30 so and have you started doing publicity yes so there's weird publicity things that come up and it's so weird because you're like you have no idea how much publicity there'll be and I'm like oh should I take an odd day off but I don't want to just sit at home (laughs) waiting for someone to call me to be like do you want to publish like publicize your book so I'm just kind of trying to act cool anyway um I'm loving this look for you by the way you should take off at least a month and just sit at home waiting for someone to call you exactly I can't come in guys I've got so many media um commitments anyway so the good weekend there's a section called the the two of us the good weekend is a newspaper insert magazine it goes into the age and the sydney morning herald i think it's also online and it's quite an iconic Mm. regular feature in the magazine up the front where they take two people who've got some kind of relationship and it's called the two of us and they get the the history of that relationship from each person's perspective yes and so claire and i are doing it at the end of march sort of tying into the book mia had a cry yesterday in the office because she was like why isn't it me why isn't it me and jesse we have a fun relationship and we were like mia please <laughs> also like back. they de- shared a womb i don't think you can get much in my defense claire suggested that it be you and me because <laughs> she didn't want to have her photo taken exactly so that's where the worst comes in is that claire and i in front of a camera is just not. So is the best that it wasn't me and you? The best is that it wasn't me and you <laughs> having a photo shoot, yes. Okay. The worst is that the lovely cameraman comes in, a photographer I believe they're called. Yes. Um, he comes in and he's just so professional, so good. He works with incredible people. I've read them. Like we're talking celebrities or just really interesting people. He's an amazing photographer. Yes. Yeah. And then Claire and I are there and I'm just like this poor guy. And he's, like, trying to loosen us up because we just look like Victorian age, like, getting our portrait done. (laughs) And he was like, why don't you put on your favourite song and just feel the music? And I was like, I don't know how to tell this Did Claire take a photo of your face as soon as that comment was made? Feel the music. Feel the music. And I was like, I don't know how to explain that. I don't actually know how to feel music. Like, I or anything. I don't know how to feel anything. I don't know how to move my body in a way that is attractive or appealing to other people. Do you have You're a favorite so song? Awkward. I don't have a favorite song. So I was like, oh, 
So I played, this is weird, but I was like, I'll play Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Not my favourite song, just no. a song. <laughs> it, can still, uh, it can still, like, that's quite a yes. shake off my bad attitude about yes. this photo shoot. And then I didn't want it to be too loud because I didn't want to, like, upset other people in the office doing their job. So it was really quiet. <laughs> just like this. Shake shake it off, you kind of just like, yeah. And shake, Claire shake, and I are like... Oh my god! Just like bopping, my my legs don't move. Like I have these ankles that are like I'm not moving off the ground, and it's just me moving side to side. I can't wait to see this photo. It was a poor. Have you done the interview yet? We haven't done the interview yet. That's next week. But yeah, it was it was horrific. The guy was lovely. I'm sure he got the shot. We'll have to post it. I was going to say post it now, louders. We can't. Go to the good weekend when it comes out. We'll pop it on Twitter. Exactly. How about you, Claire? What was your best and worst? (laughs) My best is this week. So friends of mine are farmers and they live in the dead centre of New South Wales and they've had a pretty rough trot in the past couple of years with droughts, etc. But I spoke to my friend and they have had the best harvest that they have had in ages. Is it because of the El Nina? A little bit El Nina because they've got some good rain this last season. What do they harvest? Wheat. They have filled up all six silos, they've had to go to like a shed that they just filled up with wheat. And you know sometimes when you're driving around in regional areas you see those really long plastic-covered yes, sausages? Yes. That's like piles of grain that they cover over and then they weight it down if they've run out of storage oh, in other wow. places, right? So they've got plastic sausages of wheat, they've got sheds full of it, they've got silos full of it. I mean they also have a mouse plague because they've got oh. tons of wheat. Good time to be a mouse. Good time to be a mouse, but it is the best harvest and they're not alone. There's tons, especially oh. through Queensland and New South Wales, some farmers are having like a bumper crop and it's incredible. well overdue. Well overdue. My worst, and this doesn't sound like worst, but I got a new car. And Poor thing. The, reason I got, <laughs> the reason I got a new car is because I crashed the other one. Oh, yeah. Incredibly low speed and wrote my car off, right? Hardly late. But I got a brand new car and it's a, it's a grown-up person's car. You like bought a brand new car? Oh my yeah, gosh. like it's a lot, the most money I've ever spent on a car and it's like beautiful to drive and it's lovely. But it's also like trying to drive the International Space Station. Oh, no. Mm. Are there like buttons and shit? So many buttons. So many buttons and so much beeping. Like it beeps if I cross over a white line. It beeps if cars get too close to me. It beeps if I get too close to another. It beeps if I go through the drive-through. Do you think it knows that you crashed your last it car? Definitely is nervous. Have you learned like how it's to very indicate? Yeah. <laughs> yes, indication I've got, but it also has like even just turn it on. It doesn't have a key that I put oh, in. I just I press hate a button, that. right? No, not about that. And like when I press the button, the rear view and the side mirrors fold out, and the heads-up display emerges <gasps> from the dashboard, and like this big color screen lights up, and it's got like a little track pad next to me so I don't reach over and like touch oh, anything wow. on the on the dashboard oh, so but it is amazing. it is amazing mm. it also has heated seats and about 10 million airbags like so it's got all the things and it's very exciting but it's a n- very nervous car and it is beeping a lot like I was at the drive through this morning getting a coffee on the way in and I'm trying to talk to the person to pay and my car is beep 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 and I'm like I'm really sorry I don't know how to turn it off I don't know what it's beeping at. It's like a baby, like where you're yeah. just like, I don't yeah. know why you're beeping. I don't yes. know how to make it better for yeah. you. Talk to me. Tell me what you need. Yeah. So sorry, My car. car's got a fart mode where every time you turn on the indicator, it makes fart noises. And I didn't know where to find this in my car. My kids found it and we, I was just driving. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just an option. Yeah, it's just an option. And I just was like, what is going on? <laughs> 
And of course, I didn't know how to turn it off. I still don't really know how to turn it oh, off. So no. I'm at the complete behest of my children. <laughs> That's like back in the day when your kids used to change your ringtone on your phone yeah. to something fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> now it's your car. Yes. It's your indicator. Finally, we've got recommendations. Oh, it's my recommendation I just remembered. Okay, I'm Great really hosting. excited. Thank you. Thank you. Seamless. All right. I've discovered a show on Netflix and it's really, really good. There's a few seasons, which I didn't expect. I'd sort of heard whispers, but I didn't know if it would really be for me. I just tried a few times. Anyway, I've sat down. I've gone, okay, I'll give this a go so I can speak to the outlouders. It's called The Office um, with Steve Carell in <laughs> the it. The Office. Mm, the US Office, which people are going to, they're going to cancel me for liking the US Office over the UK one. I tried uh. the UK one. I just couldn't. The US one, I put on the first episode. I was like, it's so dry. I almost don't get it. And now I just giggle in bed every single night. It is so Is it so good? Funny. Is it so funny? It's so funny. I do like Steve Carell very much. It's so I can't explain it. I just How is it different to the UK office? Because I haven't watched the US one. I started watching the UK one, but I found that it was so cringy and I got so I don't mean cringy bad, but like it's so well, that's funny. Ricky, that's Ricky Gervais's power. Yeah. Is yes, to make you feel as horribly uncomfortable yeah. as you can. This one I think is a little bit, and this is just the US in a nutshell, but probably a little bit more overt. And so oh, okay. everything's very underplayed in UK dramas and comedies, yeah. which is what I love. But this one is so – it's really funny how it deals with, like, issues in the workplace of, like, race and sexism and there's just this guy who's always putting his foot in it. And I will be laying in bed and Luca keeps saying, I have never heard you laugh this hard at anything. And it's always surprising what you laugh at. And there's a thousand seasons. So it's just great. Did you start at the beginning? I started at the very beginning okay. and now it's just brought new life. Okay. Can I just ask, have you understood, like there is a billion office memes that have been doing the rounds. Oh, my God. Have you I understood none of them until this point? Nothing at all. And suddenly I'm like, oh, my God. Have you God. watched it, Claire? Yeah, both versions. Oh. So many memes, so many phrases that people use that I'm like, I don't understand the reference. And now I'm going to start using them. Like give us an example. I can't think of them. Luca said yeah. one last night. He's like, you know, this one is from the office I was like oh but even just the Pam and Jim relationship is like couple goals yes yes exactly right like there's a lot of Pam and Jim memes around that now would make sense to you yeah yeah so is this like a discovery I want to know what other shows people have like finally got around to that- I'm trying to give Shit's Creek another go because are you into been it talking about that trying to get into it And then Mad Men was my one before this I just keep discovering things 10 15 years late and it's just <laughs> great Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Mum Mia Out Loud. This episode is produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer of Mum Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff. And please support us by coming to our homepage, subscribing to our podcast. You can still follow us on Instagram. We're still allowed to post there. For the time being. Um, For the time being. Um, It's really important uh, for us to keep doing what we're doing that you find us and yeah. support us we're mamamia.com.au I have like a homepage with all my sites set up so I can yeah. just click on them and soon we're going to have an app we'll have more information about that next week it's coming in the next few days it wasn't quite ready in time for Facebook pulling the pin on us but it is just a matter of moments exactly Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.